morning, we, the word is from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through chapter 5, verses 16. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And a great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in and they found her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, kiddos, kindergarten through third grade, you can go on. Thank you, Miss Katie. Appreciate you. By the way, Miss Katie teaches the women's Bible study on Tuesday morning, so you want to be part of that if you can. And yeah, give it up for Katie. <laughs> Uh, Katie reminds me, you know, just seeing her reminds me that I'm at, at best the third best teacher here at Redeemer. Um, and if you're a guy and you don't come to women's Bible study, it's online and you can go grab it on YouTube or on our podcast. Um, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you again, um, everyone who's shared and led us so far. 
We are going to be in this passage in the book of Acts as we continue to explore what was going on in the church in the very earliest of days. And uh, it was this beautiful community of people from uh, all these different places, all these different ages, socioeconomic situations. And part of what I love about Redeemer is that Redeemer is a beautifully multi-generational church. And to illustrate that, I'm going to start a song lyric, and when I get to it, if you know how it finishes out, I will just invite you to, to, to say it out loud. You know, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loudly for all to hear. <laughs> so if you know how to finish this one, then you can, you, can, you can finish it up. It starts, darling, it was good, never looking down. And right there where we stood was, that was it? It was like three people in my family know the lyrics to a Taylor Swift song. I was, I was expecting a, a loud chorus of Holy Ground. But yes, that is, that's from Taylor Swift's Holy Ground. <laughs> Woo. Now I got to find the energy to keep going. I thought I was going to be able to feed from y'all on it. Darling, it was good, never looking down, and right there where we stood was holy ground. Um, the church, this is the point of the sermon this morning as we explore this passage, is that the church, the gathering of God's people, is holy ground. And that is both a warning to us, and it's an invitation. So what does it mean for something to be holy ground, for there to be a space that is holy. Um, you have experienced holy grounds, surely, um, because I know everybody in this room has at some point found themselves in a restricted area that they were not supposed to be in. Um, when I think about holy ground, I think of the 1999 Hard Knock Life Tour uh, featuring Jay-Z, who uh, had, had a huge hit that year, Hard Knock Life, which samples from the Annie song, if that's more of your era. The Hard Knock Life Tour that rolled into the Baltimore Coliseum in 1999 was headlined by Jay-Z, but also featured DMX, uh, Method Man of the Wu-Tang Clan, Red Man, and Ja Rule. I just discovered that today, that Ja Rule was also there. And my wife, the lovely Sarah Jane, with, in all of her high school glory, was there for the Hard Knock Life Tour at the Baltimore Coliseum. And it was apparently sold out. Uh, I would love to have been at the Hard Knock Life Tour. And it was apparently sold out, and her and her friend had terrible seats. And so when the show got over, and they were waiting to leave, they thought, it's going to take forever for us to get out of here. And they saw a dimly lit exit sign, and all they had to do was jump over a low concrete barrier to get to it. And so they jumped over this low concrete barrier, headed for the exit, and tried to find their way out of the Baltimore Coliseum when they were confronted face-to-face -face with Method Man of the Wu-Tang Clan and Red Man, who proceeded to cuss them out and have them escorted from the premises. Because one does not simply walk backstage to the Hard Knock Life Tour. It's holy ground. When God comes throughout the scripture, and he makes his place with human beings, it is not something that is casual. 
It's not like, hey, God's out here. Anybody that just wants to come on out. Um, when God's power and His holiness come on the earth, it expels out everything that is unclean and unholy. If you read the stories of the Old Testament of God showing up, this happens again and again. There is this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which is a footstool. It's a piece of furniture that is like a throne or a footstool for God. And He brings His presence there to the Ark And one time, some people are carrying the ark and it tips and someone reaches out their hand to steady it and they fall dead. Um, There are two priests named Nadab and Abihu who offered this strange fire to God in the place of worship and then God's fire consumes them. There was a place within the temple called the Holy of Holies and you had to go through so many things to be able to walk into that space and they would tie a rope around the priest's leg in case they dropped dead inside the Holy of Holies that they would be able to pull them out. God decides if and how we can approach Him and be in His presence. And one of the through lines of all the Scripture is that if human beings, broken and sinful as we are, are going to be with God, then He must make the way for us onto holy ground, and it's not casual. So fast forward to this reading, this story about what was going on in the early days of the church. This new community of Jesus followers, Jesus had had lived and died and been raised, and he had ascended to heaven to sit on the throne of heaven, not of Bel Air. Just clarify. And... um, some things should stay in, you know, as you're going. <laughs> but I felt like this is a safe space for that pun. And what happens as the Spirit comes, Jesus sends His Spirit, and all the disciples are marked with these flames of fire on their head, which is the classic sign that God's presence has come. His fire falls on them, and the, the, the wind of the Spirit blows through them, saying God's presence is with you. When this community gathers together, God is truly with them. They are the dwelling place of God's presence. And this is actually here in verse 11 in chapter 5, the first time that Luke says that this group of people is called the church. The ecclesia is right here. So, when you walk into the church, when you walk into this gathering of God's people, you are walking into the very presence of God. You are walking onto holy ground. Not a piece of furniture, not a building, but a community of people who God lives inside of. God is with His people. And it's guarded, just like the backstage of the Hard Knock Life Tour was guarded, not because of what is in there, but because of who is in there. Ananias and Sapphira, this married couple, they're part of this new Jesus community. And at the end of chapter 4, it's saying, hey, this community was full of rich and poor. But nobody knew who was rich and who was poor because everyone's need was taken care of. The people who had mean sisters and brothers who had property, they sold their stuff. They gave it to the apostles, Peter and James and John. 
And they took care of the poor so that no one was in need. That's a beautiful thing. And so this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, are like, oh, okay, this is great. We have some stuff. People are really respecting these people that are selling their things. They're seen as holy people. So what they wanted a share of that admiration. They wanted to be held in honor among God's people. So they sold some, some property, kept some of it for themselves, and gave the rest to the church. Now, really, on paper, there's nothing wrong with that. If you, if you look in, in verse 3 and 4, even Peter says it's fine. Um, he says, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds? But then he says, While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? You could have kept the land, you could have sold the land and given it all to the apostles. You could have sold the land, kept part of it for yourself, and said, we're going to give this other part to the church. That's all good. The problem is that they kept some of the money and made it seem like they gave all the money. Like if they sold it for $1,000, they kept $500, and they said, we sold it for $500. Here is all of it. They were feigning generosity because they wanted to be admired. Now, this is a passage that I feel really uncomfortable talking about with you because it will just make you feel all squirmy inside. Because this is the exact same thing that you do when someone asks you for a piece of gum and you hand them the pack and they say, oh, I don't want to take your last piece. And you know, well, I have another pack of gum in the car. But you say, hey, it's cool. I want you to have the last piece. It feels good to be sacrificial, especially when you don't actually have to sacrifice anything. Or like you might offer to bring someone a meal. Hey, you had a baby. You've had something going on. Can I bring you a meal? I know you're not going to be home that night. Can I bring you a meal? Oh, you've already got it covered. Okay, well, that's fine. Because then you get all of the good vibes of offering it and you don't actually have to make the meal. It's the exact same thing going on. And yet here we all are still standing. Ananias and Sapphira feigned generosity. They wanted to be perceived as holy, but not take the loss. They were like a chocolate Easter bunny. All sweetness and light on the outside and hollow on the inside. They used God, they objectified God to gain the admiration of people. And just like in the temple, just like with the ark, just like with the strange fire, they fall in God's presence. The state motto of the state of North Carolina is Esse Quam Videri, which is, I assume, Latin. I have no idea. But I'm told it means to be rather than to seem. To be something rather than to seem like something. Or to quote American prophet and Super Bowl halftime icon Kendrick Lamar, don't talk about it, be about it. If the inside doesn't match up with the outside, there is going to be breakdown on the holy ground of God's presence. And so it's obvious that this, is a, this comes as a warning for us as we read this story. And it was a warning for the church. In verse 11, it says that's the first time they're called the church, and it says great fear fell on them. And it's not that cool Bible fear where it's like we're just in awe of God. It's like the being afraid fear. They, they wanted 
admiration, and this falls, and everyone is looking at it and saying, that could be me. The fear is real. And we, we know how this works all the time. Like, the way that you drive when you know your kid is in the car in front of you is different when it's a stranger in the car in front of you. The way you talk when you're not sure if people are overhearing you. And right there, where you sit in that seat, just like in Acts 5, just like in the early church, just like with the temple, where you are sitting is holy ground. Not because of this building, but because you are in the community of God's people. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's what we are. Jesus has made His home in us and with us. And so here's the warning for us. The way you and I treat folks in the community of believers is the way you treat God. The reason why any of us can stand at all, of course, is because of what Jesus did. I love that our sister Susan said, when God talks of judgment, he also talks of salvation. And put yourself in this picture, this man Ananias and then this woman Sapphira, they're standing before Peter. And Peter knows exactly what it's like to be Ananias. Because Peter also fronted with Jesus in Matthew 26, and he said in front of all the disciples, even if all these other losers fall away, I will not. I will stand with you to the end. And Jesus said, well, you know, tonight actually, you know, spoiler, tonight you are going to deny me three times. And Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. But he was posturing. The inside didn't match the outside. Again, to quote Lauren Hill, Wyclef, and Proswell, he was a boy on the side of Babylon trying to front like he's down with Mount Zion. So imagine how intense this moment with Ananias and Sapphira when Peter sees them fall. Imagine how intense that is for Peter. That should be me. God was making it clear that this community is holy ground. He was making it clear to Peter, making it clear to the church, and making it clear to us. The way you treat God's people gathered in God's presence is the way you treat God. This is why they didn't lie to God, right, when they said they sold it for the certain amount. They lied to Peter and to the apostles, but Peter says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Our, every, amen, our everyday interactions with each other are toward God and about God. They can either come from a place of worship and grace and infilling by God that, that leads us into love and sacrifice for each other or not. And the warning is for us, if you are here and you're part of this community, do not test the Spirit. Do not front. The holy ground of the church puts our integrity to the test. 
And it's Jesus who keeps us from the same fate as Ananias and Sapphira. And He is actually kind to give us this warning. To, to show us what the stakes are for real in God's presence. He will protect His people and make sure the ground stays holy. It is very scary, but also kind. If you remember when Bilbo was waiting, to, he was about to leave on his journey and he had the ring and Gandalf was trying to encourage him to leave it behind for Frodo. Uh, Bilbo got all worked up and he said, you want the ring. That's what it is. You want me to leave the ring because you want to take it. And you remember what Gandalf did if you've seen the movie or read the book. He, he bows up all big and everything gets dark all around him and he's sort of towering over Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins! <laughs> Terrifying. I am not here to rob you. I am here to help you. And then he sort of comes back to his gentle and weak place. Y'all, Jesus did not endure the cross to smite you or to shame you. But He also didn't endure the cross so that we can keep playing games and messing around in His presence. He endured the cross to bring us into His presence and give us to one another. And that's why this is actually a kind invitation to us. And it's an invitation to, to two things. The first is this. It's an invitation because the church can be a place of profound safety when it is committed to living with integrity when we see our interactions with each other as standing on the holy ground of God's presence, and so we treat one another accordingly, this space can become profoundly safe. One of my dearest friends, um, who is, who is very much a, like family, uh, a few years ago she left the church. And... Um, the reason why is because she was no longer believing. And also she said, look, this thing does more harm to the world than good. And in some ways, she's totally right. And it's been interesting watching her the last few years as she's left the church behind, and we recently had coffee, and she started coming around the church again, and I was amazed by that. Um, it wasn't because she has had an experience with Jesus and now she believes but she said, I went outside of this place for a while long enough to realize there actually is something in there. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't think I necessarily believe yet, but there's something in there that I'm not finding out there. And if we show up for one another, knowing that we're in God's presence, the church becomes a stable, a stable and safe place for people to actually navigate their lives. Christ's church is where chocolate bunnies come to become chocolate frogs. And what I mean by that is my daughter went to New York. She came back with a chocolate frog from Honey Dukes. This is a Harry Potter reference if you're not following. And uh, she brought this huge chocolate frog. It was in this box like this. And I thought it was just a bunny, but it is solid all the way through, friends. And it is currently about halfway gone and has many teeth marks in it. 
Because that's the only, I mean, you don't gonna make like a hot knife, you know what I'm saying? That's the only way you can get it is just, uh. The Christ Church is a place where chocolate bunnies like me come, become chocolate frogs. Solid all the way through. And it comes by their practice again and again and again and again of giving and receiving grace. God is patient with us. This is a place where the hollow, fake places get filled with what's solid because the Spirit of the risen Jesus is here. I don't know what is making you feel like on uneven ground in your life and in this place, but this is it, He's here. The fire of the Spirit exists within these people. And look, we're all desperate for an identity. We're all desperate to know who we are and why we matter. And the younger you are, the more acutely you feel that need. Because the ways that we've identified ourselves with in our communities or in our vocations have all crumbled in our moment. And we're left to find an identity in ourselves which is so hard to attach ourselves to. But in this place, Jesus gives us an identity as His beloved. And He gives us each other. Please do not miss that. And I'll close with this. The second reason why this is an invitation is what Julian David said. The, the invitation is to come into this place because it is, in a, it is a place to experience God and His real presence. Like, it's a fearful thing to get kicked out of the backstage of the Hard Knock Life Tour but I'm like, I want to be backstage at the Hard Knock Life Tour. You know what I'm saying? Like, hanging out with Ja Rule, who I didn't even know was there until recently. The most ridiculous-sounding offer that the church has is that if you come and you get part of this thing, God is here, and He will show up to you. He will allow you to experience Him and have a life with Him. And so to bring it down on the way we brought it up, even though y'all weren't there for me with that holy ground thing... It's okay. I want to I give Taylor the last word. This is Taylor's version. Chris's version. Taylor's version. That's, oh, okay. I'm not going to sing it. Because <clears throat> I love you. Tonight, I'm going to dance for all that we've been through. But I don't want to dance if I'm not dancing with you. That is God's word to you and for you. Come to the holy ground. Let's pray. That is funny. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, we can laugh about it, and it makes us feel a little uncomfortable, mostly because we're not sure if it's actually true. And so we need your spirit to break down our safeguards, break down all of our posturing and fronting and feigned holiness and all of our little grudges and bitternesses. Call us out of that and to one another to really stand before you and with each other and experience the power of your spirit in this place. And Lord, I thank you for my sisters and brothers that are here this morning that are like, I don't know about that yet.
pray that you would guide all of us kindly to you. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.